do plug into that. All the usual things this week, uh, you know, nothing missing. All, all the various life groups, prayer meetings, yeah. uh, tea times and so on. They'll all be publicised. So read your email on Tuesday morning that comes out. All the links will be on there that you need. Mm. Uh, this, tonight we've we've got two worship sessions. Just note the times. 5.30 with Mike and Flick. And then this evening it's 6.45, that's 6.45 backroom worship with Paul and Susie. Yeah. So that, that should keep you all informed. Now, one of the things I'd like to ask you, I'd like to ask you to do it each week if you don't already do it. There's a button on your Facebook post that you're watching right now and it says watch. And, and you can do something called hosting a watch party. And the idea behind that is that you press that button and then people who, who look at your page normally and see what you're doing, they can actually join us in the meeting this morning. So if you're comfortable doing that, that really helps us get the message out far and wide and engage more people in the, the, you know, the, with the opportunity to hear the gospel. So if you'd like to do that, then, then please do that. I'll, I'll keep, try to keep reminding you, but you know, it, it really helps spread this far and wide. Yeah, in fact, um, I don't think my mum realises this, but she pressed the watch button by mistake and then afterwards said, oh, my family were watching Cheryl. How did that happen? And then when we checked, we realised that she pressed the watch button, um, which is good because yeah. all our family have seen it and heard the word. So that is good. Um, but it is good co to connect on these forums. Please keep connecting. Uh, I know it's recorded and you can watch at different times in the week, watch things again, and that's really good. Um, but come on things, connect with people, and as we say every week, uh, give someone a phone call, send them a text to see if they're okay. Uh, let's be a loving body of Christ that cares for each other, and that would just be wonderful as we stay connected. Yeah, so one of the things that, that strikes me, I think this is our 12th week of doing this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just from what, what you can see and what, what is, is going out there, this, this doesn't look like this is going to end anytime soon. And, you know, when, when you first start doing things, it's new, it's novel, lots of people want to watch. I, I'm urging you, exalting you, encouraging you as your, as your pastor, and Cheryl's encouraging you too. We're going to have to dig again and, and go again. And dig deep and go, this this is how it's going to be for a while. But I am not going to disconnect. I am not going to drift. I'm going to stay strong. I'm going to stay on fire for God. And I'm going to be there as part of his family. So we're just going to have to keep going. As long as this thing takes, we are overcomers. We are outlasters. This is an incredible opportunity for us to put into practice all those things we've been talking about for the last few years. So let, let's look at it as this is the testing lab yeah. where we see what progress we've made, which is cool. Yeah, well, it just tests, doesn't it? It tests are we strong, can we do this? You know, if we were under persecution and maybe couldn't meet, if we didn't have Bibles, would we have enough that we have put in ourselves that we have done to be able to stay strong? And if we feel that we're wanting then it's like, Holy Spirit, help me to know what to do to become stronger in you. And so I think that's really important in these times yeah. to know that we are strong. Yeah. Um, we're looking at software though, aren't we? we we're looking at different things to try and yeah. try and spice it up a bit, but there isn't a lot out there. And, yeah. uh, you know, to be honest, it, it's going to take quite a bit of investment. Mm -hmm. 
and so we we need to think about that and uh, but we'd really like to to step out yeah. into perhaps making things a, a bit more visual for you a bit less yeah. the same and, each and week connecting with others because yeah. you've just had mark and i for the last 12 weeks and we are feeling a bit sorry that you're not seeing other people that you normally see um our other leaders our young leaders and so we want to try and bring you uh, words from them and um i think that would be uh, good for us all so we are looking but at the that. good thing is that cheryl's really stepped into her own in this time <laughs> And, and, and she's really shared her heart, and I'm just so pleased and excited about that. And I'm going to step off now, because she's got some stuff that she just wants to share from her heart this yeah. morning. Yeah, I think this is a morning that I'll just get my um, my stand, then I can put all my bits on it. I have a lot of bits this morning. Um, just get them all. <coughs> okay. I'm in the right place. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just got a little bit of word to bring you first. Um, normally, if we were meeting in church, I probably would be sitting down now and let other people do things because there is something that is really on my heart. And over the last few days, um, I've spent a lot of time with God and I just want to bring a little bit to you. Before I do that, I did have a word for you that I've been meditating on my lovely friend Norma for the last, I don't know how many years, many years, sends me a verse of scripture every morning that I meditate on. And this one really spoke to me this week. So before I get into what is on my heart, I just want to bring this little bit of scripture to you. So you can look at it after this morning. Um, hopefully it will just bring another thing to you at this time, you know, in this in this difficult time when we can't meet, when we are still ha have a problem with this virus, where it's still shutting us down, where, um, yeah, I mean, you know the news. Um, we're still praying. We know that God's going to take us through and we are going to come to the other side. And in the meantime, we need the word of God to be able to stand on and be strong. So the scripture, you will all know it, um, write it down, it's Psalm 16, but it's just the first two verses that I just wanted to bring to you this morning from a couple of versions, and uh, it will feed your heart and your soul. So, uh, Psalm 16, um, David says, preserve me, this is from the New King James Version, your God for in you I put my trust. My, oh my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. And it was that that really spoke to me. Um, we can put our trust in the Lord and then with our soul we can say, you are my Lord, my goodness, anything that I have, is from you and I just want to read that from the message because I love uh, how it describes it and the message says keep me safe oh God and I want us to really take that into our hearts that that is where we stand that is the trust that we have from God that we can say and run to him keep me safe oh God I've run for dear life 
to you. I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing makes sense. And over the last few days, that's really spoken to me. Nothing without him makes sense. And all the goodness that we have comes from us, from him. So I'm just going to put this down because the verses I need I've written in my book. absolutely right I ask for you to forgive me this week um, well it happened uh, the thing that started it off but it's just the one thing that started it off um, which was George Floyd was horrifically and brutally murdered this is something that goes on a lot as we know um, but it was caught on camera and it's gone out to the world. There's been protests in America. We've seen all of that on the news. There should be protests. And we protested yesterday. Peaceful protests. I love that we could protest peacefully. In America, they don't have that. Um, the police are waiting very... Um, with all their stuff on and uh, with guns. We put a little bit on our Faith Life Facebook this week, which was an interview with T.D. Jakes, and I felt that what he said, um, I connected my heart with him. 400 years ago, and we have to, as British people, hold our hand up to what we did. We took precious people from their lands and put them over to America and to here and put them into slavery. 400 years ago, we put our knee on the neck of black human beings and slavery and oppression came in massively into the Western world. It's always been there. It's, it, in, it's always been wrong. This is nothing new. But as a 
church, we mustn't stay silent. And that is what has really hit my heart over these last few days. One of my closest and dearest friends is black. My spiritual son is black. I have two goddaughters who are black. We have many brothers and sisters in Christ who we love who are black. We minister to black people. We have most of our network, faith and life, are black churches. We spend a lot of time with black pastors. The church we helped start with Jenny and Alex is a black church. I don't want to say too much because I don't think at this moment I know enough, but I am searching. I've started with my own heart because things will only change when our hearts change and it starts with us. In Micah 6 verse 8 it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Injustice should not be tolerated in any form. As children of God, we are all clothed with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is our identity. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And we put on our Faith Life uh, Facebook page uh, a video that Joyce has done from her heart. And she speaks about our identity together in Christ. And I, I'd like you to go and look at that if you haven't seen it already. On my Facebook page, uh, I, put, I actually, we put the interview with TD Jakes as well. Please go and look at that. And on my Facebook page, I put up a beautiful song that really affected me when I listen to it, listen to the words, and listen to the voices of these three young uh, black youths. And this is how it starts. And I imagined two little children, one black, one white, playing together, and this is coming from their voice. It's entitled, We Don't Want War. And they sing, we were the same. We were but innocent. No need to hate. No need for pain. Then we both changed. Lost our innocence. We learned to hate. So much confusion. 
at the beginning of the uh, description of that song, it says the answer to the most difficult question is usually a simple answer. The answer to the world's problems is as simple as love for all. D.D. Jake says, this is not a black person's issue. It's a human issue. Enough is enough. All lives matter. But at the moment, the issue is that black lives do matter. And I am asking God to break my heart for what breaks his. And if we as a church ask him to break our hearts for what breaks his, then maybe we can break the back of racism. If there are people in my church family who are hurting, I need to address this, to get alongside and understand, to hear the pain and not be silent. White, black or brown, there is pain. My heart is that the church be a voice to the voiceless not be a white church or a black church, but the church of Jesus Christ, all one with Jesus and equally valued. I've had so much on my heart that I wanted to say. Um, my son lived in America last year. I know a lot of what we've been seeing is in America, but it, but it isn't only in America. And this is what has shocked me, how much it is in Britain. And if I haven't seen that, then I'm sorry. I was thinking this morning that as a mother, if Matt was bleeding, would I just walk past and say, oh, it doesn't matter. Just bleed. No, I wouldn't. I'd find out why he was bleeding. I'd do my bit to help. And I'd heal that wound with my love. And that is what I am determined to do, first for myself and my heart, and then to speak out what I believe God is showing me. And the main thing I can do is love and love all because as the word says and we can get what we need from the word to love our neighbor as ourselves and to know that we are clothed and as one with Christ Jesus I can teach what God says in his word I can pray against this evil thing and as leaders of faith life, we can listen, we can learn, we can speak where we see injustice. We can ask the Holy Spirit to change our hearts first. And then the hope is that we can help change a society. So I don't want to say any more, although I have a lot to say.
we were meeting together, I would now have my brothers and sisters who also want to share their heart. Maybe those that actually stand in this place and receive that oppression, who can't walk down the street like a white person can, who knows that their children don't have the same opportunities that a white person has because of the colour of their skin. To my family, I say, we are all valuable. We are all worthy. We have a voice. Often, black people don't have a voice. So we need to stand alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ and speak so that things change. Please go to God. Ask him for his heart on this situation. As people are standing up and losing their lives and trying to get their voices heard, let us also join with them and speak from our heart what is the truth, what does God say, and show love. Amen. 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 We're, we're going to share communion now. Communion is something that is special and unique to us as believers. And it allows us to reflect on this fact that we are one family in Christ. And it's only in Christ that we can really be unified. And, uh, you know, earlier in the week I put this uh, verse up on my... Uh, Facebook and it says uh, it's from Galatians it says so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith for all of us were baptised into Christ and have clothed ourselves with Christ yeah. in that there is neither Jew nor Gentile slave nor free male or female you are all one in Christ Jesus that's one in Christ Jesus. That's that's what God intended. That's that's his heart, that's his desire, that's his passion. And you know, as we share communion, it's a sh it's that sign that we are all one in Christ Jesus, not just in words or because we belong to the same church, but we are one in Christ Jesus because we're all part of the same body. And so as we share communion now, I just want you to, to, to think about that, to meditate on that, that what it actually means to you to be one in Christ Jesus. I'll pray. So Father, we come before you now. There are many issues in your world that are not right. But right at this moment, I believe that you have asked us to focus on this one and to get this one in our hearts right. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you speak to everybody that has listened to what I have said, including me, that you show us in our heart if there is anything in us that is wrong that you reveal it to us 
so that we can get rid of the stuff that the enemy has planted in us, the stuff that hinders us, the stuff that is deplorable to you. I ask that you will help us see it, and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will help us remove it. And then I ask that you will put into us a right heart, that we see things from your eyes, that we carry your heart, mm. that you will bring understanding to us, yeah. that you will bring wisdom, that where we need to say sorry and ask for forgiveness, that we will do that. For myself, I ask for forgiveness for where I have not carried your heart in this situation. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will flood our church with your healing power, that we will be a place where we carry your heart, where we see things like you see them, and in the centre is you, and we can be a body who care and love and accept and value because we are your children and you are our Father, clothed in you. Help us to see each other clothed in you. Amen. 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 As we share the bread, we remember his body broken for us. That, mm. that same body, that same uh, life that we are now clothed in. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord, we remember your blood shed to us, that, that blood that, that covers us, that saves us, that took the punishment for our sin, that blood that ran red on the cross. And we remember you now as one family in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, when we come, that wasn't easy um, for me to, for you to have all of that, but it's so necessary when. Mark and I get up here, um, we want to be real, we don't want a performance. Our church has never been about being a performance, it's about, and sometimes I feel like this, that we're a mum and dad. Um, 
our hearts are for you. The main thing we believe that God's asked us to do is to bring the word to you and the love of God. Um, and when our brothers and sisters are hurting, it's right that we stand and acknowledge that. Uh, because they're hurting more than I am. And I am just getting the heart, something that God has put, put in of his heart on me. I don't have to walk down the street and receive what a black person receives from society. But I can try and understand and I can walk with them and be a family and do what needs to be done. And I need to ask my brothers and sisters, what do you want us to do that would be helpful? So this is just a start, a sharing of a little bit of my heart. I've spent so much time over the last few days. I've written so many notes. My notes of my books, my paper everywhere is God said something as, as I thought of something. And my main concern is that I don't really know an awful lot. Um, but I'm going to find out. So, and, and that's my promise to you. And as a family, um, that we are a family that is rooted and grounded in love. That we don't just say it, but that that is who we are. That we love our God with all of our heart, but we love our neighbours, whoever that is, as ourselves. Amen. Amen. So forgive me if I've not said enough. Forgive me if I've said something not quite right. My heart hasn't been to say something that brings in more hurt. Um, my heart is just to connect and to say what I believe God is saying, is seeing, is feeling. Um, he's feeling so much. He'll be saying so much. I think I've just captured a little bit. Um, but I want to understand more and I want him to show me in my heart more of his heart. Amen. And, and that's what I want us, Faith Life family, uh, to receive from him. Amen. 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 So, uh, just offering. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things is that I believe God wants to do some tremendous things in our nation, in our city, and to involve us in those things. And, you know, when we do come out of this, whatever the shape of the church that it looks like then, I believe he wants us to come out strong. He wants us to come out powerful. But also he wants us to come out where there is provision for all the things he wants to do. We, we're looking at that at the moment. We're going like, okay, God, what, what is it that you want to see as, as we go forward? We, we don't want to return necessarily to what was normal just because it used to be normal. We actually want to find out what God wants us to do now as the people that we are as, as faith life. And so... As we give into our offering, it's with that in mind. I'm looking to I'm looking to the future and saying, God, we 
I'm asking you to provide God so that when we come out of this, we are, we are not weakened, but we are strong and we can do all that you, you ask us to do, all that we need to do, whether that's investment in, in, in technology, whether it's investment in, in places that we can actually meet, all those sort of things, whether it's investment in helping those within our congregation. And, and, and I, you know, I'm believing God that we'll, we'll keep on being strong and come out of this strong. So as we take our offering now, you know the ways you can give. You can give uh, direct online. You can go to our website, www.faithlifechurch.org.uk. Click on resources. There's a giving tab under there. It's really easy to do. Um, I know that many of you are giving direct into the bank account. That, that's brilliant. I'll just remind you of the details. It's Faith Life Church Cambridge. Faith Life Church Cambridge. And it's uh, so called 201722. 201722 and account number 7009308470093084 and failing all that you can stick a check in the post to us at the church office just made payable to faith life church and we'll sort out the rest so father i thank you i thank you that you are a god who provides but I also thank you, Lord, that you are a God who blesses us in order that we can be a blessing. Yes. That as, as we have generous hearts, you have said you will bless us in abundance so that we can bless more. So, Lord, I just, I just pray that we would be a family that would start to and continue to step into that virtuous circle. And, and that you would create in us, Lord, generous hearts. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 So we've got a next part of Mark's preach from Revelations 2. Um, if you need to just stand up, uh, I've, I've brought a lot already to you this morning. Um, we remember the love of the yeah, Father. You can stand up, have a wiggle. The goodness of God, and we want to receive now His Word. We say this every week, it's so important that we are men and women of the word because the word is what changes us. The word is what brings life to us. The word is what impacts our soul, our spirit, our mind, our will, our emotions. And we want to be men and women who walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. And to do that, we need to hear good teaching we need to have our own uh, minds and eyes on the word, letting the word speak to us, letting the word change us. Without him, we can't change. Without him, our hearts will stay where they are. But with him and walking with him, we can become mighty men and women of God. We can be his voice. We can be his arms. And we can be carry him into a hurting society. Society is messed up on all counts and we do have the answer. So we need to go out covered by prayer uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit to speak and let that power affect those that we are speaking to, those that we are walking with and take it into a society because our society needs changing and needs to walk with God and then he can heal our hearts, heal our land 
and we can be strong and courageous because of him. So get ready with your Bibles, get your notepads. There is a good word coming now, Revelations 2. Uh, it's about returning to our first love, which is Jesus. Amen. 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 So, Father, I just ask now that you will uh, anoint Mark to bring the word, that your word will speak through him, and that you will prepare our hearts and minds right now to be able to receive from you. We want to hear your voice always. This is our opportunity to come together as a family, to hear from you, to spend time together. And I'm sorry that we can't physically be with each other. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in everybody's home right now, that you are with us. And we thank you for that. So we receive your word now this morning and help Mark bring it and be your voice. Amen. 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 Yeah, morning everybody. Um, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me about the situations that, you know, just kicking off right across the world, uh, not just with the events of this week, but with the whole virus uh, thing, with the, 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 the locust-caused famines that are, are right across huge areas of Africa. You know, when we've been looking at this in our life groups, uh, none of this should surprises as believers we shouldn't be surprised that this is the state of the earth and this is the state of men's hearts because jesus told us this was what it was going to be like that this is where men would get themselves to and you know sometimes i i, I hear it said that well you know the bible's not that important to your life as a believer you know you don't you, you don't really have to do all that bible study you don't really have to to listen to those 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 detailed sermons, those 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 meaty talks, you know, just have something a bit lighter, and and we we devolve our Christianity down to a level of uh, what we personally experience, and the problem with that is that it leaves us nothing to stand on, you know. Christianity, our faith does not work without hearing the word. And our faith does not work without having a solid foundation and a solid understanding of how the kingdom of God works, who God is, what his nature is, what his heart is towards us, and, and, and the promises he's given us. So it's so important we know the word. And, and yet we, we've managed somehow in, in our generation to take the word and make it a soundbite, to, to make it something small you know we i i love i love listening to other people's preachers but sometimes i get a bit concerned that that the only thing that is there is what the person decided they were going to say in the first place and they hung a few bible verses on it and and that doesn't give us the depth that we need so it's not and it's not even just about the the, the teaching of the word it's also about us learning to do the word and to to live from that ourselves and, and and get with god ourselves in the word and so you know in this series in which this is the second part of this morning 
uh, we're looking at the letter that Jesus wrote to the church of Ephesus. Not, not the letter to the Ephesians that Paul wrote, but the letter that Jesus himself wrote, which we find in Revelation chapter 2. Now, just to recap where we got to from last week. What we, what we found out last week is that Ephesus was a, a really strategic church. And from that church, Paul spent three years there, and from that church, churches were planted right across Asia with the, the apostles and disciples that he trained in his training school in the whole of Tyrannus. And so, you know, for, Ephesus was strategic in that lots of roads went out from there to all the different cities in Asia. And so that's why Paul based himself there, and from there the gospel went out, and church after church after church got planted. Now, Ephesus itself, the, the church in Ephesus itself, was the most notable, uh, it was the biggest, it was the most powerful church, it had, it had a huge congregation, it was a mega church. So Jesus right here is talking to a mega church, the mega church of his day. And that mega church was doing some amazing things, and, and it was visible to everybody. It had some glorious buildings, it had some uh, amazing people, uh, and it done some fantastic projects. And yet Jesus turns around to them, as we found out last week, and he said, all that's good, but you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. So, you know... It's, what we learn from that is that after years of serving faithfully and doing lots of things that we think are good, you can lose your excitement, you can lose your focus on Christ, you can lose that, that, that pounding heart passion that God intends us to have towards him. And, and that's what had happened here. You see, what we've got to remember is this, this church in Ephesus, by the way, I'm going to go to Eph uh, Revelation chapter 2, so if you want to find that, Go find it now, then you're ready. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. But what we've got to remember is, you know, this, this church that, that Jesus is writing to, approximately, let's say, 35 to 40 years earlier, had been birthed in a move of God. Something we call a revival these days. But, you know, where, where thousands were coming to Christ... And, and the culture around them was being changed. A genuine move of God birthed this church. And that was shocking. It was shocking. It was stunning. It was amazing. Because right in this city of Ephesus stood the biggest pagan temple in the world. The Temple of Artemis. Or if you were Roman, it's the Temple of Diana. And Artemis was kind of a fertility goddess. The worship of her was involved in all sorts of perversion. Uh, the, the temple worship was administered and could only be administered entirely by women. And all the service in the temple was done by eunuchs. And, and, and they, they, they built this. And, it, and the whole economy of the whole region was based on, on what was going on there. Because it was such an important place. The, the biggest pagan temple in the world. And what happened is that we find out from Acts that, um, that, that God began to move through Paul and others there. And, you know, we, we find phrases in Acts, you know, we find this, this wonderful phrase that God did many unusual miracles through Paul. Unusual miracles. You know, this is the, this is the place where everything kicks off by the fact that, that, that Paul is seeing miracles and it gets to the extent that he's praying, he's touching handkerchiefs, and, and the handkerchiefs, when they're touched by other people, the anointing on them, he's healing people and setting people free. 
We even find out that those handkerchiefs actually cause people to be delivered from demons. That's what it says in Acts. So we have, we have a very powerful move of God that birthed this church. We, we, we've got a clash of kingdoms, as you would expect. We've got these guys called the sons of Sceva. They come along, they see demons being cast out, and they try and do it. And there's that fantastic sentence, Jesus I know, this is a demon speaking, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but you, no idea you, you don't even know the authority you've got. And we see that clash of kingdoms, that clash of power in starters, the authority of God causing the demons to flee. And you know, in this place, magic and the occult, it just thrived. It was, it was endemic. And many of those who came to believe, many of those who founded the church in Ephesus, they'd been involved in this magic and occult practices. And what we find is that the, the, the move of God was to such an extent that they piled all their magic and occult books up outside in the main square and they burnt them. And we find out that that, that was equivalent to 50,000 pieces of silver, a huge amount of money that was invested in these books and they set fire to them. And the effect of all that was so insignificant that the economy was overturned. All the silversmiths started to complain. Nobody was buying their idols. Nobody was buying all the stuff they made for temple worship. Nobody was buying the stuff they made for the occult practices. And the Guild of Silversmiths start a riot. And the effect of all that, we get this sentence in Acts, and it says, throughout almost all of Asia, Paul has persuaded people and turned them away from our things. And that is just absolutely amazing. So we have a, a church that is born in this incredible move of God that, that where the burning, fiery passion and commitment was there in such a way that reliance and dependence on God transformed a region. And that's where this church came from. And yet Jesus is now writing to them in Revelation and he's saying, but have you lost your first love? You've lost that. You, you, you've, you've done some amazing physical things, but you've lost that. And that's important. And, you know, I, I read that and the question I come up with so is, so how do you go from what was there to what we're seeing now? How do you lose your first love? And, and so that's what we're going to be kind of looking at. So go with me to Revelation chapter 2 and, and verse 1. I think you're probably already there. I'm not yet. Uh, Revelation 2 verse 1. Uh, I'll read the first four verses. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, says these things. I know your works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you've tested those who say they are apostles but are not, and you've found them to be liars. You've endured, you've been patient for my name's sake, you've laboured and have not grown weary. But I have something against you, that you have lost your first love. And so let, let's just go through that, you know, go through it carefully so we can understand what's happening and we can really get a picture.
picture of what is going on of this church birthing revival 35, 40 years later where Jesus turned around and said, but you've lost your first love. Because in doing that, we can start to understand how they lost the first love and how you can recapture your first love. And for all of us, that, that's something that is so important because, you know, we, we, there's times in our life, isn't there, when we've been so excited about Jesus. And maybe that's right now. For me, for me, this is right now. But I also remember it would be, you know, when I first became a believer, when I was first baptised in the Spirit, when we started faith life, when I saw my first healing, when I saw my first deliverance, all those things, those moments where there's excitement and joy and, and just like this, this hope of, of things. But we, it's so easy for us in, in the world that we live in, this world of chaos and, and disorder and disunity, and, and, and sickness, it's so easy in this world for, for us to lose our first love. And, and we, because we have imperfect churches, sometimes our churches contribute to the fact that we lose our first love. So here's what we got. So Jesus is writing, he says, write to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now right there, there's a really important word, church. Because this was their problem. It's part of their problem that they started to see what church was about and they started to see it wrongly. They, they started to make church about the building and the project and not what the, the, the actual thing really is intended to be. Now that word church, I mean many of you will know this because I've talked about this before, is the word ecclesia. And ecclesia was a word that you know people would have immediately recognised in those. It's not you know, for now, it, it's kind of lost its meaning for us and, and almost taken on a, a, an unhelpful meaning of ecclesiastical and all those sort of things. But ecclesia in those days, it meant someone of a group of people who were called out of general society to do something different, to, to, for a different purpose. And they were given the authority of the one who called them out. So, for instance, in Athens, they had an ecclesia, which was an assembly of people called out of the city in order to decide things, in order to determine public policy, in order to determine law, in order to exert judgment, in really in order to set the tone for the culture. And so, historically, it's that assembly of, of people called out of the general populace to do all those things, determine laws, public policies, new projects, formulate new projects, look at new proposals, and to dispense justice. So why am I telling you that? Well, I'm telling you that because it's so easy for us to get our eyes off. That is what, when Jesus said, I build my church, he said, I'll build my ecclesia. That's, that's the kind of people that he's calling us to be. And the message here is this, that the church is a, is a body of representatives of his kingdom called to every region and it's called to make and implement decisions that affect the atmosphere of the region the culture of the region and to impact lives in that region in other words when jesus envisaged what church would look like ecclesia would look like he envisaged god's ruling voice coming to a place through his people who would gather and exert his rule, the voice of his kingdom, over the voice of the enemy. We are to be a people who oppose anything of the enemy. And, 
And that is a much more kind of mobile, significant thing. But, but what happened here is that they, they, they'd lost that, that idea. And then it says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Now, what's that all about? Well, we find out, you know, one of the things about Revelation is it, it's not as difficult as people think it is. Because actually it explains itself most of the time. But when we see something like seven stars, we go, whoa, what's that talking about? Well, I'm going to tell you just to cut the story short. But that the seven stars, you know, it, it, it generally means the, the pastors or the leaders of the church. The stars are the pastors and the leaders of the church. We looked at the candlesticks last week. We're looking at stars this week. And what, what Jesus is saying in this letter, he's, he's calling out the purpose and... Uh, uh, the, the, he's saying that the calling and the purpose of pastors is to shine like stars in the spiritual darkness around them. You know, you, you remember that Paul uses that phrase too, that we are meant to shine like stars in a dark and perverse generation. And that's what, what Jesus, using this image, is saying. He said that the pastors and leaders of the, of the church are meant to shine like stars in the darkness. They're meant to interpret the darkness, interpret the spiritual things, and, and to teach people how to exert that authority that they have as ecclesia. And, and, and the pastors are supposed to be the guiding light to the church. In other words, what does it mean to be a guiding light? Well, in this context, it means to teach the word in such a way that it provides a solid foundation to do the word. To teach the word in such a way that it provides a solid foundation to do the word. And what, what you find in this, and I love this imagery, it says that these stars are held in Jesus' hand. Now when it says held, it's, it's kind of, I, I didn't realise that, you know, it's the sort of thing you skim over, but when it says held, it's a, it's a Greek word, kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S. And what it means, and, and this is like the literal translation, it says, it's, it's a masterful hold or a tight embrace. And what Jesus is saying is, pastors and leaders of churches are meant to operate to help people understand and do the word so they exert the authority of the ecclesia. And the way you do that is to focus on being held in the tight embrace of your saviour. To be held in this tight embrace in saviour. Now, there's all sorts of things that we expect uh, pastors and leaders of churches to do. And this is kind of a difficult thing for a pastor and leader of a church to say to his own church. But the truth is that the, the, the number one... There's so many things that we could do as pastors. There's so many things we could do as church leaders, so many projects we could undertake, so many ideas we could pursue. But what Jesus is saying, and, and, and this isn't just here, but it's, it's throughout the New Testament. He's saying out of all those things that a pastor can do or a leader of a church can do, the number one priority, and I get this, the number one priority of a pastor, of a leader of a church, is their own relationship with God. And from that relationship, that priority reflects itself in that they are hearing God for the people to speak to the people what God wants speaking to the people. And that, that's kind of Jesus firmly setting up this idea of ecclesia, this idea of church. And, and, and what he's really saying is, guys, 
in all your in all your great projects and your great ideas, you've moved away from those sort of priorities. That they've become less important to you. The project has almost taken over. So let's have a look at verse two and three. Verse 2 and 3. Um, I know your works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles but are not, and have found them to be liars. You've endured, have been patient, and for my name's sake have laboured and have not grown weary. Now what we need to see from this, and it's just a really simple principle, is they were doing good things. In fact, they're doing things that Jesus said are good things, that they're great things, and he's pleased with them for doing these things. These are not bad things. These are not things that have displeased Jesus. In fact, they have pleased Jesus that they have done them. Now, here's the point. Externally, they would be seen as a great church. So if people looking in outside would say, what an amazing church this is. Look at all these things. And yet Jesus says, but there's something more important. Now look at what he says. Um, he uses this phrase, I know your works. Now that word know, what he's saying there is, I see, I behold. And, and what he, that, that, that particular word there means is, He's scrutinising and fully examining. You know, it's this sort of look like an intent thinking about studying, looking at all the different things. And he said, that's what I've done to, the, to, to this church, your church in Ephesus. And I know your works as a result of this intense scrutiny and examination. And, and I've been looking. I know your works. And those works there, the, the word is ergo. And it's not just the physical works they've done, what he's saying is, I've seen the total output of your life. I've seen your actions, your deeds and your activities. Now what's the point I'm making here? Here's the point. Jesus knows every single thing about us in great depth. He knows all our actions, all our deeds, all our beliefs, all our conduct, there is nothing that Jesus does not know about you. There's nothing that Jesus does not know about me. There's nothing that, that he hasn't looked into my heart, peered into and seen. And all of that comes not from hearsay, not from a reporting back of a pastor, not what we've said and, and confessed, not what we is out in the open. All of that comes from Jesus's own personal observation. Because he is deeply interested in us and he cares for us. And, 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 he, and he wants our hearts to look like his heart. And that's why he, he's doing this. He, he's doing it and he's going, I, 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 I love that about you. I love what I see in your heart. But we just need to just do a little bit of reshaping here. And he's deeply interested and knows every single aspect of our life, our thoughts, our actions, our ways. And Jesus loves us. He loves his church and he's in the midst of us observing what is going on. And I think, wow, that is just so incredible that, 
that the, the God of the universe, Jesus, is actually bothered about what's going on with little old faith life in, a, in, in this, this little city of Cambridge. And he's bothered about what's going on in your house this morning and my house this morning. And, he, and he's excited about it. He loves us and, he, and, and he's seeing everything and he just wants to just help us shape our hearts so we can see even more amazing things. Oh, more goodness comes out of us. He, he's kind of shaping us towards goodness. And, and here's what he says. He's saying, I know all these things about you and you've done all these fantastic things. And you've been doing some great things. But those great things you have been doing have cost you. He uses this word that you have laboured. In fact, the word laboured appears twice in those verses. He uses this word laboured. And, and actually, the, 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 the word that's translated there means hard labour. Literally, now listen to this, it means people who have given everything they have to a project or an assignment. Every bit of their energy, every bit of their finances, every bit of their devotion had gone into the project or the assignment. They've given everything physically, everything materially, everything financially to this project called the church in Ephesus. And the word itself, because it's a connection with hard labour, it also carries this joint idea of they were exhausted as a result. It's saying... You have given everything to this project and now it's cost you, it's cost you so much that you are exhausted. You've been successful. Look at this amazing thing that you have built. It's a great project, it's a good project, and I'm telling you it's a really good project. But the way it is, is that that project has become your everything. Your church has become your everything. Those things that you have built, those physical, amazing church that everybody says is such a great church, it's cost you, it's exhausted you, it's taken everything you have, and as a result, you have lost your first love. You see, how can a church so on fire, so committed, so successful in the projects they were doing have got it wrong? And yet Jesus is saying something needs to change. Now, you know, one of the, the, the things about that phrase, uh, you've lost your first love, literally, you know, when, when you, uh, it doesn't read so well for us, which is why we, we, we put it differently. But the, the, the order of the words in Greek say this, because your love, the first one, you have lost. Because your love, the first one, you have lost. First one means early one. So Jesus is talking about what these believers were like when he first found them. He's referring them back to the days of their first passion. He's referring them back to the birth of their church. And he said, hey guys, remember what you felt in your heart when you were first saved. Remember what you felt when, when the Holy Spirit came upon you and, and he ignited love in your heart. Remember what you felt when, when it was, I was right at the centre of things. Remember what it felt when I was your life, when, when your passion was for me, when you were deep in relationship with me, that you were hearing my voice and you were walking in my ways and, 
and, and you were devoted to me. Remember what was that, that like, what it was like. And remember what happened. Remember what happened. It changed this city. It, it was revival. It overthrew the temple of Artemis. It caused demons to flee. It caused unusual miracles to happen. It caused an ungodly economy to collapse and magic books and the occult to, to be set on fire. And, and I was reading this and I was thinking, oh my goodness, that's what it's like. And I remember just like, just a few weeks ago, I was reading the story of, again, I, I've, I've looked at this lots of times and, and it just ignited a new kind of love for Jesus. And I was reading the story of the Welsh revival and what happened there. And, and you go like, and, and this man and, and, and young men around him, but this guy, Evan Robbins, he, he just said, God, I want, he, he used this word, bend me. But what he really meant was, God, get gripped on my heart. Get, get, let my heart yield to you. And what happened was that this move of God in Wales in the early 1900s, it shut all the pubs because nobody was drinking anymore. You see, people down the mines and, and, and worked in the valleys, they used to get paid on a Thursday and often there'd be no money left after the Thursday because they'd go to the pubs on the way home, get drunk and spend all the money. And that was their pattern of life. And there was all sorts of social problems is real. And they found God and they stopped drinking. But not only that, they stopped swearing. In fact, they, I used to think this was anecdotal, but it's actually true, is that they, they had to get new donkeys down the mines. They used to use donkeys. But because they stopped swearing, the donkeys couldn't understand their instructions anymore. And they had to get new donkeys and train them to do the work without the swearing. And apparently, you know, there's all sorts of things. There used to be a sign at the Welsh border when you drove into South Wales. And it used to say, warning, if you are into this country, you are likely to turn to Christ. And, and it came out that passion and that... That, that love, and this is the kind of situation that he's talking about in Ephesus. And, and what he's saying is, it's great what you have done, but there is something more important than the project. And you've forgotten that. You need to rediscover that love, your early love, the first one. And he's reminding them of a, this deep wonder, this awe, this fear of the Lord, this joy, this energising captivation that they'd felt in the past, in the early days when he was the centre of their attention. You know, when like, like young lovers, teenagers, you know, like me and Cheryl when we met, you know, head over heels in love for Jesus. Well, I was head over heels in love for Cheryl. It took her a little while to walk to me, but we'll get past that. When they were head over heels in love for Jesus, captivated by Jesus, when they do anything for Jesus, go anywhere, face any criticism for him, you know, be rejected by anyone for him. And he's saying, in your focus on the building of the projects and the assignments, you have lost that. You have left that. Now that word, and this is, this is tragedy, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of coming towards the end in a few minutes, but this is, this is tragic. He's saying, that word, you have left your first love. That word left is a, a Greek word, aphiemi, and what it means is this, you have intentionally let go of something you didn't intend to let go. You've unintentionally let go of something you didn't intend to let go. 
He's saying, you didn't intend to end up in this place. You never thought this would happen. It, it, it wasn't something that, that you were ever conscious of. But the effect of all these other things has had an effect on you. It's become so much about the project, so much about the building, so much about your status as the mega church in this region that you have lost your passion, you've lost your love, you've lost your devotion, but most importantly, you've lost your intimacy with me. You've lost your intimacy with me. And you see, they should have seen it. Because they've gone from people of power to people of project. The project had replaced the power. The project had replaced the passion. They'd moved slowly from power and passion to project. And that is so tragic. Jesus, his heart would be weeping when he spoke these words. He's not, he's not coming angry here he's weeping because they didn't intend this they, they didn't intend this to happen they didn't plan this to happen they didn't even see it happening but they moved from power and passion to project you know they got so caught up in the machinery of things um in in this this building of this thing called the church in ephesus they, they got so caught up in it and all the projects and the building works and and working hard to pay for their building works, that they lost their love of Jesus. And then right at the start to them, if he'd said, that's what's going to happen, they'd have said, no, that'll never happen. But it did. And it's so easy for it to happen to us today. And this consuming project, this consuming project called the church that they were building that they saw as their assignment that was good, that was amazing, that was seen as a great church by the rest of the world, Jesus is saying, that has hardened your heart towards me. And it's tragic. And the cost has been too great. You see, their vision, it got filled with, you know, those words labour, their vision had got filled with numbers and finances and buildings and raising money and getting people to do things and as a result of that all the stuff that that involved in getting people to do things their hearts had got hard they'd, they'd moved from power to planning they'd moved from keeping their eyes on the master to manipulation to get things done. They'd grown hard and cold and they didn't notice. And that, Jesus is saying, is tragic, it's heartbreaking. You know, even now, it's not just about these things. We'll come on to some of those other things that they were involved in in future weeks, but they were dealing with all sorts of stuff in that church and they'd done it well. They'd had to deal with manipulative people who come into the church. They'd had to deal with people who undermined the gospel who came into their church. They'd had to deal with people who came into the church for unpure motives for themselves. And those who come into the church. And you know, in when that happens, 
it causes all sorts of things. It causes strife. And, and it causes offence in our hearts. And it causes unforgiveness. And it causes bitterness. And, and those sort of things, they come in. And, and our, we never intend it to, but our hearts harden. And they go cold. And we lose our first love. And it all becomes about getting through this, sorting it out so we can make the church work. How do we deal with this issue and this issue and this issue and this issue? And our hearts gradually harden and harden. And we lose our first love. Don't worry. Jesus is going to come back and tell them how to get this first love back. And I'm going to really major on that in future weeks. But here's what I want you to see. This is so tragic. It's so tragic because they didn't know what was in their midst. They didn't know what they were doing and what they were doing looked good. In fact, it was good. They'd done fantastic. They'd done great stuff. You know, we were in a, a conference call on Tuesday and uh, all this stuff that we, we've seen this week was, was just starting to really develop and get momentum and profile. And I wasn't particularly thinking of it in connection with this, but when, when this person who was on this conference call, he said something and it, and it broke my heart. It just broke my heart. And, and he said this, he said, you know, Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, God has so much more capacity to love than we could ever have. But that also means he has so much more capacity to be hurt than we ever have. And I just thought, we are just wrecking God's heart. You know, when when we find when we find racism in our churches, God's heart is bleeding. When we find privilege, God's heart bleeds. When we don't trust people just because of the colour of their skin or where we come from, they come from. God's heart bursts. When we allow ourselves to get offended, he weeps. When we harbour bitterness, when we harbour unforgiveness in our hearts, his heart breaks and bleeds. You know, like I said at, at the start in when I was talking about communion, he wants us to be one with him like Jesus is one with him. One in heart. He sees no differences. Unity is not uniformity. Unity doesn't demand you need to look like me or you need to look like somebody else. 
and do the things I do in the ways I do them and the ways I say them for you to be acceptable. That is not unity. Unity is not uniformity. Unity celebrates and delights in uniqueness. And the thing that the, the thing that blows that away and causes the heart of God to bleed and weep and cry out is our sin. Our sin is what devalues. Our sin is what divides. And he's calling us to love with that first love. Sin devalues, sin divides, but love treasures and love unites. And that's what he's calling us to. Unity of love, unity of spirit with him, where our passion for him enables us to deal with that stuff that we find in us. I don't, I don't want to go on breaking God's heart. I, I don't want to cause him pain. You know, some people think, well, it's okay because I'm saved. No, it's not. He saved you to himself. He called you to himself. And, and when, when this stuff is in our life, it's not just his heart is breaking. We're involving him. He lives in us. We're involving him in that stuff. That same heart that, that, that is filled and harbours the spirit of God is also the heart that's producing this, this, this horrible evil in us. And his heart's breaking. And he's saying, I'm calling you back. I'm calling my church back. I want my church back. I want my church back for me, where they see me, where it's not the project, not the assignment, not the all-consuming effort that is exhausting everybody. But I want them to find me. And in finding me, I want them to realise that I love every single one. And we are one family. You know, if you're not part of that family... You can change that right now. You can deal with that stuff that you find in yourself. Even if you're part of that family. Even if you've been part of that family for 20, 30, 40 years. You can deal with that stuff right now. We're just going to pray. And I want you to pray along with me. Father. I come to you now. Having found things in me. That are wrong. I come to you now and I ask you to forgive me of those sins. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. So that what is there can be taken away and replaced with a love that treasures you treasures others and unites us together. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, I'm going to just do a little bit wider this week. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to know. We, we'd love to help you 
take the next steps. You can do that. You can uh, you can send us a message on Facebook, or you can uh, just email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. That's office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. But I'd also ask that if God has really been speaking to you at this time, and he spoke to you this morning, either through what Cheryl said or what through I said, you'll either put some messages on Facebook, or if you'd rather, you, you, you could email us and, and, and share your testimonies with us. And that would just be such an encouragement to all of us to, to be able to see God moving in our hearts. Okay? Amen. 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 That was... Uh... Once again, um, thank you, Lord, for your word, for giving us your word that we can know how to live. You know, when we became a follower of Jesus and we accepted him with all of our heart, he took out of ourselves a hard heart, that hard heart of stone, and put in us a soft heart. And then there are things that we need to do to keep our hearts soft. The Bible shows us that we have to look after our heart. And I spoke quite a bit about that last week. Um, we've said a lot this morning. And, um, and I love what Mark's just said about the heart of the Father. You know, he, he loves his creation. He loves his world. He loves all people. And he sees all the injustices. Um, there are many injustices. I've just brought one this morning because that's the one that uh, is right in front of us at this moment and he's put on my heart. Um, but all injustice is wrong. He, his church is, is wonderful when we do what he says we've to do and live how he says we've to, to live. He created diversity. We shouldn't look the same. His creation is diverse. Look at what he has created in, in his world and, and in us. And just two verses that really spoke to me when Mark was preaching. Um, uh, I was thinking about Jesus when he said, uh, when when he was asked, you know, what's the main commandment? And God says the first commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all, all of your soul. And then he gave another commandment, which is equal to it, which is to love our neighbour as ourselves. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit for all of us that we get what we need from him to be able to love our neighbours as ourselves. He then went on to talk about the, the um, Good Samaritan. Have a look at the story. It's in, um, where is it? It's, uh, I think it's in Matthew, isn't it? Anyway, look up the story of the Good Samaritan where um, he, where the, the, the thieves pounce on the, the guy and leave him for dead in the gutter. And the church person walks, walks past, the church priest walks past, the Levite walks past. But it's the Samaritan, a, a man from Samaria, who weren't classed as good as the Jews were in those days. And Jesus is saying, the Samaritan went. 
and he helped and he loved. And there are lots of people in gutters, whether it's um, whatever the need is. And it's for us to go and help because in 1 John 4, 7 it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And that is who we want to be. We want to be known of God and love like God. And in Leviticus 19 verse 18 it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am Lord. So Father, right now I thank you that you are the Lord of our life and that you say to love you with all of our heart. Father, help us to do that and to love our neighbour as ourselves. Father, help us to do that. Whatever injustice is in front of us, whatever that is, let us see it with your heart. Let us know what breaks your heart. Let us be a people after you that cares with your heart. Put your heart in us that we can live from that place, that we can love with your love, with your agape love. In our own strength, in our own ability, we know it's not. we can't do that. But if you've asked us to do it, we know that we can because of what you have put inside us. Because we have your spirit, your love, your agape love on the inside of us. We can love like you loved. So Holy Spirit, as we go from this place today, I ask that we will take just what you want us to understand, to take from you, to have in our heart, and that we will meditate on it, that we will spend time with you, that we will be changed to become more like your son. That is our heart, Father, that we become more and more like your son, that we behave like your son, that we see like your son, and that we agape love like your son. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking now that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit in such a fullness that we can hear and live and love like you because we want to please your heart with all that we do for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So, uh, Faith Life, um, we bless you. Uh, we pray that his face will shine on you, that your blessing will, uh, that his blessing will be on you. Mark's uh, saying something to me. What are you saying, darling? I'm going to play some music. You're going to play some music, I know. So we're going to play some music as we end this morning. Uh, listen to the music. It's always good that we bring. Uh, I love uh, the music that often we bring at the end. Um, have a blessed week. Uh, go into this week with the Lord. Jesus is Lord. And uh, we bless you. May his face shine on you. Um, connect with each other. Love each other. Spend time with him. And in whatever way you can, spend time with each other. We love you, Faith Life, and our extended family. And uh, we'll see you next week.
find one.